book of Genesis. We're continuing the series of messages I've entitled Silence the Other Voices. Silence the Other Voices. First way that we're going to do that is we need to discern, learn how to discern the voice of God. Learn how to discern, to hear the voice of God, to recognize his voice. Secondly, we talked about silencing the voice of spousal rejection. Spousal rejection. We talked about silencing the voice of parental rejection. And today we're going to be talking about silencing the voice of sibling rejection. In verse 3 we read, Of chapter, I said chapter 37, that should be probably chapter 39. 37, 37, okay. All right. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers. They hated him and could not speak peaceably or kind to him. Let us pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we are humble that you invite us into your presence. God, it is our heart's desire to encounter you today. And so, God, if there is anything that would hinder us from hearing from you, we pray, oh God, that you would remove it. We dare not leave this place the same. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, meet us right here. Touch us and change us. We ask these things in the powerful name of our Savior, Amen. 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 When his brothers, you may be seated, when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. From the earliest chapters of human history, sibling robberies have existed in every home. Brothers and sisters can and have behaved towards one another, sometimes more like mortal enemies than blood relatives. In fact, the first recorded homicide in the Bible occurred in a home of Adam and Eve, when Cain, the elder brother, slew viciously his younger brother, Abel, in a fit of rage against God. He was furious that God had rejected his fake worship while accepting his brother Abel's worship. Not able to harm God and to force God into seeing it his way, Cain simply struck out at that which was nearest and dearest as a representation of God, 
by murdering his own brother. Sibling rivalry has been with us from the very outset of the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. When there is hostility between sisters and brothers, parents can become the, the object of their children's wrath. Children want you to choose a side. They demand that you see it their way, and they will use rejection to manipulate you to conforming to their, the pressure of their conduct. Sometimes they will take their children, your grandchildren, and refuse to allow you to see them until you figure out that their way is right. And, and thinking of right and wrong, right and wrong doesn't even matter to children that are determined to have their way when there's sibling rivalry. And when I'm talking about children, as long as you are a parent, a biological offspring, they're your children. That doesn't change because they're grown and have a few gray hairs. They're still your children. You don't have uh, authority over them in the way that you formerly did, but they're still your children and still can be engaged in sibling rivalry. Parents need to be reminded that God says that foolishness is bound up in the hearts of children. He also commands children to honor your mother and your fathers, for this is the first commandment with promise that it will be well with you and that your days will be extended as far as life upon the earth. Now, while sibling rivalry that can cause feelings of rejection is normal, the Bible warns that one of the signs of the last of the last days would be that brothers shall betray brothers to death, and fathers shall betray their own children, and children shall rise up against their parents and cause their parents' death. And we see this more and more shockingly where children are murdering their own parents and parents murdering their own children. Matthew chapter 10, verse 21. Matthew chapter 10, verse 36 actually says, a man's worst enemy will be right in his own home. Right in your own home, you will be sleeping with the enemy. The Bible says, as we are experiencing the last of the last days. Although sibling rivalries are normal and expected as a part of the growing up process, it can become toxic and lead to temporary or prolonged feelings of rejection. Brothers and sisters born to the same biological parents will avoid contact with their families because they feel rejected. While they're ignoring your text messages, your emails, your invitations, they're actively involved on the social media platform. They're actively involved with certain parts of the family, but they intentionally exclude you by way of punishing you because of some 
perceived or actual wrong. The voice of sibling rejection is so powerful that it can impact every relationship in your life, including your relationship with God and your spouse. If you don't resolve this, you will carry this into your marriage. You will carry this into your workplace. You will carry this into your interaction with men and women if you are harboring feelings of rejection because where love should be an automatic experience in the foundational relationships at home, you never got it because of the tension resulting from hostility that exists between you and a sibling or you being, some, some children refer to themselves as the black sheep of the family and those kinds of things. If you don't resolve how you're going to address that type of rejection, whether, whether real or imagined, it will impact every relationship. In Genesis chapter 37, verses 3 through 11, we meet a young 15-year-old teenager who faced sibling rejection every single day. Again, in verse 4, we read, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word. Joseph's brothers, sharing their, the same DNA, raised in the same house, eating at the same table, sleeping in the same room, the Bible says his siblings hated him. And they had nothing good to say about Joseph. Not because of anything that Joseph had done. This suffering and punishment was the result of the decision that Jacob, their father, made. He loved one child more than he loved his other 12 children. Jacob had 12 sons and one daughter, but he had a favorite. Now let's consider three key questions that can help us to silence the voice of sibling rejection. And the first is, what causes siblings' rejection? And secondly, we're going to talk about why sibling rejection is so painful and devastating. And finally, we want to talk about how to deal with it, how to deal with it. When in between your ears, you're hearing the voice that you're not good enough, there's something wrong with you. That you, you come from a messed up background, and how can anything from Nazareth produce anything positive? And so you're hesitant to make commitments. You're hesitant to, uh, to trust that you could be a good husband or a good wife because of how, how, conflict, how much conflict you experience where there should have been peace. Your growing up experience was more like being in a war zone. Now, what causes sibling rejection? As we turn our focus to the topic, some of us may have siblings that are not speaking to us right now. You won't get invited to their home. Uh, you won't find out about family gatherings. You won't find out that someone actually died until a month or somebody told you. You didn't even know a relative died because your family, your siblings chose not to even tell you. 
And while that is devastating, we need to understand what causes people from the same bloodline to behave that way. The first thing that I want you to understand is the dynamics within the family that you could not control or had no control over can cause your sibling to reject you, to hate you, to look at you with disdain, to be jealous of you. Siblings jealous of each other. Don't want you to succeed. Enjoy it when you fail. The dynamic of, here's, here's, here's one of the dynamics that can impact how siblings interact with each other. The dynamic of a blended family that never blends. There is a growing population within our country in particular where most men who get married are often fathers before they get married. And so now when you get married to someone, a woman who doesn't have children, you're combining separate family units. And that blended family unit can become a source of stress and it can become a source of conflict. Uh, you are married and now if someone else has children, that child that you bring into the home is sleeping in your daughter's bed and wearing her clothes and uh, getting the attention that you used to give to her and now that she's not getting the attention that you're sharing with a new family that is combined that they didn't choose, they didn't have any say so, if it was their choice, you would still be married to their biological parent. And so now here you have two groups of families or multiple groups of families. In the case of Joseph, he was a part of a family where Jacob had four four different women who bore children for him. So there were four different sets of blended kids living in the same family unit that Jacob really never got to develop relationships with, but now they have to figure it out. And often, if, if there's not a concerted, intentional effort to work through the process of families that are blending to become really blended, it results in resentment, it results in anger and rejection that divides the family. So the dynamic of blended family, the dynamic of death and divorce that result in children feeling abandoned and rejection. rejection. Joseph's mother died while giving birth to her, his youngest brother, Benjamin. She died, died in childbirth. And so now he and Benjamin are thrust into a situation where step-parents are raising another woman's child and children. And so they're not going to get, they never got the same type of love and attention as the biological children of, of, of these other three women that uh, Rachel left her two children to the care of. And so often what happens when divorce occurs, the children feel abandoned. They feel responsible. If we had been better, if we had not given our parents a hard time, uh, there had to be something that we did because if we hadn't done something, our parents would have loved, e loved each other enough to stay together. And so now there's this built-in sense of insecurity that comes from they've been abandoned by the person that they looked up to most. And so that type of, in that type of uh, experience will cause them 
to, 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 have, to be defensive, to, 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 to be less trusting. And so now their anger that children often don't get an opportunity to express in a healthy and positive way is turned towards each other. The dynamic of special, a special needs child uh, can lead to rebellion. Because a child has special needs, uh, uh, some type of handicap, the majority of attention of all the family members is directed to that one child. And so the, 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 the support and the nurturing that the, quote, the, the child that doesn't have the special need, that isn't the problem child, and often that's, that special needs can also be a child that's acting out. They get all the attention. They get all the special uh, uh, recognition. And you go overboard trying to help them to feel good about themselves. And the kid that's not having a problem, you, don't, <laughs> you fail to encourage them. You fail to spend time with them. They don't need it. They're doing okay. Oh, they need it too. But, and, and, but they don't say anything because they know that there's a problem child in the house. And so the dynamic of a special needs child. There's also the biological uh, uh, dynamic. When you have bi the children who are from the same biological family, there's, there's the rivalry of who's the smartest, who gets the best grades, who stays in the best shape, and who's the most obedient, and, 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 and who looks most like this one, or who most looks like that one. Are grandparents picking one kid over another kid? And you can come stay, but the other child can't stay. And, and so there's, there's that dynamic of favoritism within the family, even when they're biological children. And even if you don't show favoritism, you don't have to teach children to be selfish and angry and competitive. It's in us. We found the enemy, and the enemy is in me. We're naughty by nature. Then there's a dynamic of the adoption, of adoption and foster parenting. That can create a perfect, a perfect storm of rejection uh, because you're not the biological parent. And, no matter how much you do, you will never replace the biological parent. And while God, that's why we got to pray over adoption and pray over foster kids, because it can be life-changing and generational altering in a, in a very positive way. But there's something about a child that when their biological parent is not involved, there's this deep sense of rejection that somehow they weren't good enough. And sometimes the best that you can do for them is never good enough because there's this void that only a biological parent can fill. But God, again, when we pray over it and we, we're following, obeying the will of God, even in those circumstances, supernatural intervention can occur. And these children who were, in many instances, for one reason or another, rejected or unable, or parents were unable to provide the, 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 the care, and you now are responsible for them, God can move in those instances. That's why the Bible says, uh, unless the Lord builds a house, they that labor, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And, and what we need to do when it comes to relationships with our children, we need to fire ourselves and to hire the Lord by way of allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way. And so dynamics within the family can, uh, can create an environment that is toxic when it comes to sibling rejection. Disagreements that have never been resolved 
Scripture commands us, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Be angry, but sin not. But we've let the sun, the moon, the stars, the years, the decades, we let all that stuff go down on our anger. Now it's become wrath and malice and hatred. And, and, and sometimes it goes on so long, whatever you were originally angry with, with your sister or your brother, you don't even remember what it was. But you know that the feeling of resentment and, and, and hurt is still there. And so you may be in the same room having conversation and laughing, but all the time knowing all the while that you, you just can't go beyond a certain point because there's this barrier that was caused by disagreement that was never resolved. Never resolved. We went to bed angry. We went to bed holding a grudge. Bible says if you come to the altar and you recognize that you have sinned or you have a sense that there's an ought between you and your brother, he says, leave your offering at the altar and go and be reconciled and do it in haste. The sooner that you do it, the, the more likely it is that the issue between you and a sister or a brother can be resolved. But what we do, we get on the phone and we tell somebody, hey, you don't know what she did or what he did. And I don't think I can see my way through this. But the Lord said, here's how you see your way through it. You leave your offering at the altar and go and prioritize making it right, making it right. Disagreements that have never been forgiven. What have you argued with a sibling about? What has separated you and them? Have you even given the tip? We're more concerned about a scratch on our car than we are about a broken relationship. We lose our mind if somebody scratches our car. But we won't lose a night of sleep with resentment and malice in our hearts towards our siblings. How is it that we treat people outside of our home far better than we treat one another? You would never know the hell that people go through in their homes at the hands of their own children and, 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 and brothers and sisters. I remember a lady said to me, she says, here's the principle I operate. She said, I will never do for someone outside of my home what I wouldn't do for my family first. We've got this thing twisted around. We'll do for others more quickly and joyfully than we will do for our own. And so disagreements that were never resolved, dysfunction within the family also can cause sibling robberies that lead to deep-seated feelings of rejection. The dysfunction that was in Joseph's home was generational dysfunction. Sarah and Abraham had a love child. They, they involved poor Hagar, the Egyptian handmaid. And God told Abraham that he would have a child from his own loins and his own offspring. But they decided that it took so long that God obviously uh, operated by you take one step, he'll take two. God helps those who help them. No, 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 no. God said he was going to do this. And so as a result, there was an Ishmael, a second best. We, he settled for something less than God's best. And so now you have Ishmael and conflict in the home. That conflict still exists today because Adam and Eve, Adam, uh, uh, Abraham and Sarah disobeyed God. And so it started with Abraham. 
and Sarah, and then Isaac and Rachel decided, or Isaac and Rebecca decided, ah, we're going to have children. We pray for children, and, and they finally have children, two twins, Esau and Jacob. And the Bible says that Isaac loved Esau, but Jacob, but, but, but Rebecca loved Jacob. And so there was division. And so this is generational dysfunction. It also, in terms of dysfunction within home, is gravitating to one child above, an, above the other children. When you have a, 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 an interest or a comfort level with one of your children that is unhealthy in terms of how it affects your interaction with your other children, that is dysfunctional. It's unhealthy. It's damaging to your children. And it creates an environment where there will be hostility because of the inequity of how you're expressing love and, 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 and your affections. So gravitating to a child, one child above another, we call that favoritism, partiality. I know I was my grandmom's favorite, but it got me slapped in the head a lot. Oh, yeah. Grandmom was kissing me, and my cousins were slapping me. <laughs> You know, I didn't ask to be her favorite. In fact, if I had it over again, you know, my head used to be completely round. And by the time they got finished slapping me in my head, you know, maybe they tried to put some sense in it, but whatever the case was, that favoritism by my grandma did not help me growing, giving more to one child because of favoritism. The Bible says that Jacob made a coat of many colors, a tunic of many colors, and he gave it to his son, Joseph, and it sent his other sons into rage. Now, I don't believe that if you have 12 kids, you got to buy all 12 kids sneakers at the same time. That's called poverty. <laughs> but you ought to be giving according to need and you ought to be, as the Bible says, training up your child in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they will not depart. That is, you are sensitive enough to each of your children that you know when the right time is the right time to do what is right for them. So growing up, giving more to one child because of favoritism, that's your motive. And kids can pick that out. And if they were honest with you, they'd tell you, you like him more than you like me used to be back in the day that we used to think that light complexion was beautiful, and if you were dark, that was, black wasn't always beautiful. And you got treated based on the texture of your hair. You know, if it was, if, if you had individual nations, you know, <laughs> on your head, uh, you didn't get the same treatment if you had curly and smooth hair and long hair and, and, and certain other physical features, giving more to a child because of favoritism, favoring them because of how they look, favoring them because of their personality, favoring them because of how they make you proud, they make you look good, while this other one, not so much. Growing up without being checked for, re growing up without being checked for resentment. There's no indication in all of the scriptures 
when you go starting in Genesis chapter 37 through 50 on the life of Joseph, where Jacob, the father, Israel, ever checked his kids about their behavior towards Joseph. You don't know anything that they ever got corrected. What it, what's interesting, when you get to chapter 49 in the book of Genesis, and Israel is dying, Jacob is dying, the Bible says Israel sits up, and he begins to prophesy over all of his children. It's clear that he knew all of their character. The prophecy was, you have been, this is what you will be, and this is why you're going to be because of how you are. He knew his sons, but there's no indication that he ever stepped to them, that he ever corrected them, that he ever rebuked them for their behavior. Now, when his daughter Diana got raped, he did say to his 12 sons that you've acted unwisely, you've made it difficult for us to be here, but as far as sibling rivalry, he did, he he. He was, he was like a person at a fight sitting outside of the ring. He never refereed. And there is a place where parents, when children are having differences that you should back away and give them a chance to work it out. But when they don't, when they cross the line, when they transgress against the word of God, you intervene and you open up this book and you show them that anger that is not righteous is wrong. One of the things that I would do with the children if they argued about what channel they should watch, and they get literally get into a physical altercation, and they finally somebody would run in and get me, and I would come in, and they would say, "Oh, Daddy, choose sides." I was here versus. Okay, here's how we're gonna do this. I'm gonna give you 15 minutes to resolve it. I'll be back, and if we haven't decided in a civil and peaceful way how to work this out, there won't be any TV. And so by the time I come back, guess what? They're sitting peacefully, chilling, watching. <laughs> they worked it out, but sometimes they didn't. Got these little jokers to uh, Burger King. Things were a little tight, and I brought them. Had, we had a little coupon, and the coupon only allowed for a burger and a small drink. I'm sitting there with my guys, and they said, where's the fries? Where's the fries? I took the burgers and the drinks. I said, let's go. Nobody got anything. <laughs> they never did that again. <laughs> but there, there's a place for friction. We need to allow our kids to learn how to resolve conflict. One of the things that happens in the work world, in the place, somebody will say, you, have, you, 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 you bullied them, or you, 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 you said something that was inappropriate to them, and then you get called in uh, to HR, and you, you get read the right act, never allowed to have again, but you and the person that you have allegedly offended, you never sit down. Now you're working in the same office, and you got to avoid this person that you got to work with. And you so we we live in a society that has now become a powder keg. People are just angry. You can't. Everything has to be politically correct, and if you don't say it right, I I, I hear here I stand on being biblically correct. Let God be true, and every man be a liar. I will suffer for the truth. I will step up for the truth. The Lord said we should be peacemakers. You can't be a peacemaker hiding in a corner. Closing your eyes, they'll work it. It ain't none of my business. Well, the Bible says we are our brother's keeper. Let's move on. 
here's the main reason why there is rejection and sibling rivalry in our home. It's called depraved human nature. We got a bad gene called sin. David said, I was born in iniquity and shaped in sin. In my mother's womb, we inherited Adam's sin nature. And because we inherited Adam's sin nature, the Bible says, and Jesus speaking, he says, what comes out of a man defiles him. For within us, within our hearts, within our nature, preceded evil thoughts, adultery, fornication, murder, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit lewdness, evil eyes, blasphemy, pride, from all these kind of things come from with our, in our nature. You don't have to teach a child to be stingy, to be selfish. We got called one time from the daycare, Christian stronghold. Your son is uh, pushing children down or something along that line. He was doing something. No, I'm sorry. That's not our son. He would never do anything like that uh, to sit in a certain seat or to be in the front of the line. They said, well, we have one of these glasses that you could see through on one side and who's on the inside. They can't see that you're seeing them. And so we left, and instead of leaving, we watching Brandon. I ain't calling any names, but we watching him. And guess what this little joker did? He act like he was on the football, you know, stiff arming. You know, you know, he was always big for his age, you know, pushing folks down. And we like, we were like stunned. We ain't ever taught him that. I tell you about the, the son I call, I said, I come into the principal talking. I had a meeting with the principal of the school, and uh, you're gonna have us, she, she knows I'm gonna pass from the church and we're gonna make this connection. And I hear this kid cussing. Man, she's just running through the hall. I said, I wish that was my son. Guess whose son it was? <laughs> it was my son. I'm like, wait a minute, you never hear us talk like that. You don't have to teach a child to do what is their nature to do. And so one of the reasons why we find ourselves in conflict and sibling relations born in the, of the same parents, eat from the same plate, cried about the same things, laughed about the same things, and yet, can grow up to hate each other. It's because of our depraved sin nature that needs to be redeemed. That's why the Bible tells us, if any man be in Christ, you become a new creation. All things are passed away. He makes all things new. He gives you a heart like Jesus that allows you to love your enemies and pray for them who despitefully use you and bless those who curse you. So when we think about why people have sibling rivalries in our own families, dysfunction within the family, disagreements that have never been resolved, dynamics in the family. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Depraved, depraved human nature. Now let's move on. This is the part of the sermon that the devil must not have wanted you to hear because it didn't make it to this tablet. Uh, so why is sibling rejection so painful and potentially destructive? One of the reasons why it's so dangerous is because it divides our loyalty. Say divided loyalty. Joseph 
wanted to be loved by his brothers. He wanted to be accepted, but at the same time, he wanted his father's approval. And so now he's in the middle, and his father actually used Joseph as a snitch on his brothers. So he's got this tug of war going back and forth. Daddy said, but my brothers are treating me this way. I want them to accept me. I want to be in their lives. I want to be one of them. But at the same time, if I'm one of them, then dad will take back his coat, maybe. Dad will take back his favor, maybe. So you have this divided loyalty between whose side are you going to be on? And we often choose the side that has the most power, that the, the, whoever's in the position. Remember, growing up as a child in a dysfunctional home, my dad and mother would get into an argument, and I'd be in the room, and my mom said, go upstairs. My father said, sit down. And then my mom said, go upstairs. Dad said, sit down. And then he gets his voice a little deep every time, sit down. Do it upstairs. And I said, so I got to, I'm going to divide loyalty. If I stay there, then I'm wrong. You know, either way, I'm like, I'm staying. I'm not sitting down. I'm standing. So guess who I obeyed? Mama, because mama was crazy. <laughs> Dad would cool down. But so, so one of the reasons why it's so painful, it puts you in the middle. You're divided. You, 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 want, you, you want to support your brother. You want to support your sister. But they're wrong. Or, or if you, you, you stand with them, now you're standing against your parents. So there's divided loyalty. There's also damaged self-esteem. The Bible says that they could not say a kind word about Joseph. You have siblings that any time they're talking about you, they're criticizing you. They're taking apart whatever. Oh, yeah, I remember when I used to comb your nappy hair. I remember when you couldn't even spell your name. I remember. Now, wait a minute. You, you, you're the executive of a company. You, 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 done, you done brought more than they even dreamt about buying it. That doesn't make you who you are. But they constantly have a way of feeling like it's their job to keep you humble. They couldn't find a kind word to say about their brother. They hated him. Sometimes you have siblings that are just nitpicky. And they'll say things that happened in private, in public, to humiliate you. Oh, I know you think you all that now, but I remember when. Yeah, you know how you got your college degree paid for. I bet you didn't really get those grades. I never saw them. Damaged self-esteem. And so now you're feeling some kind of way. What did I do? Why am I not loved? Why am I left out? Why do they say these things? Is it true that I'm really missing something deep down inside that I don't recognize? If I wasn't, why would my siblings say these things? And then there's denied realities. That's one of the reasons why it's so damaging and potentially destructive, because you don't want to believe that someone that you share DNA with, that you are biologically related to, literally can't stand you and wish you were dead and would hurt you if they could. Just read about two twins who plotted the death of their 23-year-old brother, two 19-year-old twins in Maryland. They had their boyfriends strangle their brother because they got into an argument. Biological siblings. And so often what we will do, 
we scratch our heads and it's like, is this really it's happening? This is the way the world is. And the Lord said it would be this way. But what we, we do, we didn't, we, we're so shocked and stunned by it, we just don't want to accept that this is really happening in my family. We weren't raised like this. And so denial of reality, you don't want to believe that your sibling wishes you harm. Here's another thing that makes it so painful. is distress emotionally and mentally. You feel tension when you're in their presence. You feel anxious. You've been having a great day. Now you're instantly angry. It's like you're navigating through a minefield. You don't know what to say. You don't want to trigger anything. You don't want them to be upset. And so there's distress, emotional, mental, that makes for a, a very, very difficult interaction with people that are in your own family. Here's another one. Dysfunctional relationships. One of the things that happens, I showed you how generational consequences can cause family dynamics that were happening with Joseph and his brothers. When you are rejected by, by your, by your, by your uh, siblings, if you don't learn how to be different and recognize the damage that it has done, you will repeat what has happened to you because that's all you know. And so in your relationships, in your marriage, you don't trust. And if you have a disagreement, you know, it's no soft answer turns away wrath. No, we cuss out each other. We, we get physical. That's the way it was when you were raised. And so you, you act that same way in your marriage. And so you carry the dysfunction into your, your, your future relationships. Our dysfunction, well, we never talked about it. We just kind of let it happen and go. And then now you got this volcano. It erupts every now and then. And one day, all of a sudden, somebody goes off the deep end. Dysfunctional relationships. You're hard to trust, hard to make a commitment, hard to be serious, hard to believe that somebody would just love you because of who you are, because you weren't loved in the environment where there should have been unconditional love and acceptance. Here's another one. Drain to the point of exhaustion because you're trying to avoid conflict. Just tired. You don't know. You didn't, you didn't worked out. You went along good. All of a sudden, a, a brother or a sister comes, and now he's just all of a sudden just like, whoa, where did the energy go? The energy goes when you're trying to explain why you did what they said you did, but you didn't do it or you didn't mean it, and, and now you can't, you can't resolve it because they just don't accept what you say. And so that, you ever been in, a, in, in, in a, um, one of these uh, revolving doors back in the day? They still have them, don't they? Revolving doors, you go in. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to be terrible as a kid. Yeah, I, used to, I remember one time in, the, in the, uh, Lit Brothers during the Christmas holiday, I'd get in that thing, and I'd go, like 100 miles a minute, as fast as I could go. One time, a lady was in there. She came flying out, sliding across the floor. <laughs> she said, I ought to punch you right in the nose. <laughs> I, really, I really did it that time. But relationships can be like that. You just go around and around and around and around. You never work through anything. 
you talked and you, you reasoned and you, you even went to counseling and you, you, you shared sermons and, and, and you prayed with each other. And then after you finished, but you did. What did I do? So you're drained to the point of exhaustion. And here's the final thing in terms of why it's so dangerous and hurtful when, there's, when there is sibling rejection is destructive behaviors that can result in death. You know what they did to Joseph when he came? He did what his father told him. He didn't want to go and find out what his brothers were. They, go see if they're really working. Go see where they really are. Uh, uh, that's, what, that's what Jacob told Joseph to do. And so when he found them, as he was approaching them, he said, here comes the dreamer. Here comes the guy with all the vision. Here's the guy. I can see that coat our dad brought him. He didn't buy one for us. And so the first thing the Bible says, they beat him. Then they stripped him of all of his clothes. And then they threw him in a pit. And then they, they, they conspired about how they could kill him and, and do it in a way that their father wouldn't know. And then Reuben, thinking that he could come back and rescue his brother, they let him, said, leave him in the pit, and we'll come back, we'll figure out how we're going to kill him. And then, then a caravan of, 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 of human traffickers came by. And so they sold Joseph to human traffickers for money. They didn't care. I want you to know that it's dead. I was at a house... Years ago, a woman was imminently dying, house full of people. She had seven children. Six of the seven were at the bedside. They were consoling each other. They were crying, holding the mother's hand, singing Christian songs. And then all of a sudden, the doorbell rang. And one of the sisters said, he's here, he's here. And then someone said, call the cops, call the cops. And I said, whoa, I'm the only black person in here. Call the cops. I mean, what's about to happen here? Do I, do I, do I need to exit stage left right about now? And then they said, no, 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 you're all right, you're all right. Go on, Pastor, keep on praying. You're all right. She said, this is our brother. We don't want him in here. I'm like, wait a minute, your mother's dying, she's imminent, he's the youngest brother, and six of the seven are here, why wouldn't you want, well, our brother drained our mother and father's bank account, sold all their furniture, left them here for weeks when they became sick, never told us. We found our parents, like my mother is here now, near to the point of death. And we want him arrested. On the day his mother died, I watched that young man handcuffed and taken to jail in front of his family. I want you to know that sometimes, even when it comes to your siblings, yeah, blood is thicker than water, but sometimes you got to operate out of tough love. When somebody does what he did, they need to go to the jail, and you can visit them there. Somebody say Amen. He robbed, they, they lived like paupers when they went, worked all their lives to have enough to live comfortably. He stole it all, left them there to die. Sometimes in tough love, there are relationships within families that you have to maintain arms, arm length distance, that you cannot expose yourself to the type of abuse that Joseph ended up experiencing. They beat him, his own brothers. They stripped him naked and threw him into a pit. I can't imagine not hearing Joseph saying, but I'm your brother. Why would you do this to me? Please don't do this to me. What about dad? They didn't care. They didn't care. Well, I'm glad that don't happen in my family. Let's pray that it won't. Let's pray that it won't. 
because we do have sin nature, and things do come up, and people become hard in their heart. And you can spend all your time trying to make it right with them, and they devastate. It's like a poison that goes through the entire family. And the unity that was there, all of a sudden, you're picking sides. Let me run on. Here, we're going to finish with this. How do you silence the voice of sibling rejection? I'm glad you asked. Remember, God allowed it for his good, for your good and his glory. God could have stopped what was happening to Joseph. Romans 8, 28 says that, remember that God causes all things. How many things? How many things? All things to work together for the good of them who love him. And I called according to his purpose. God was, God allowed it. Remember that. After you're looking back and see how you made it somehow with all of the heat that you went through, recognize that God's presence, God is present in your pain. When you hear the story of Jacob, and I, I challenge you, chapters 37, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible, read that story. It says that in all that Jake, Joseph was going through, God was with him. God was with him. And that's the thing that we have to pray for our children who end up in relationships that they had no choice, that God is with them. God is with them. And we need not minimize the need for our input, our, the need for us to have. The Bible says, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, for the anger of men does not work the righteousness of God. We need to be hearing our children and, and affirming them and letting them know what they say matters to us as they have to adjust to circumstances that they didn't ask for. Refuse to be the victim the Bible says that Joseph, in, in chapter 41, verses 51 through 52, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh. Manasseh, he said, because God has made me to forget all the trouble of my father's household. He refused to be a victim. Oh, you don't know what they did to me. I can't tell you. See this mark right here? And I, Let me just explain why I'm so angry. Let me just explain why I can't trust. Let me just explain why I'm about to hurt you. No, 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 no. We ain't victims. We're victors in Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I'm not defeated. I'm a victim. I'm a victor because I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And if God, and since I should say, is for me, who can effectively refuse to be a victim? Recognize God's presence. Refuse to be a victim. Refuse to refrain from retaliating while acknowledging the reality of the pain. Joseph's dream, his vision comes true. His brothers are in his presence. They don't recognize him, but he recognizes them because he doesn't look like what he went through. They look like what they went through. When you are in sin and you mistreat folk, you ain't going to look like you are walking with the king. And so he recognizes them. They don't recognize him. And so he, had, he was in a position of authority. He was second in charge to Pharaoh. He could have had his brothers wiped out. He was in a position to be vindictive and revengeful, but he did not. The Bible says, I am, he says, Joseph said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Now, he didn't deny that they did what they did, but he didn't say, let me explain. Let me share all the things that you did to me. I got books. I've written uh, diaries. No, no, no. He, he simply summarized it. You sold me into Egypt. 
but I ain't going to get even. He acknowledged reality. They did it. And guess what? Some of the day is you and me. We did it. We, we, we iced people out. We were unfriendly. We were unkind. We took sides. We joined cliques. We excluded folk. Hey, one of us. Let's see how, how hard they'll work to become a part of this. Growing up, we did crazy, un, un, unfriendly things like that. Release your sibling from the debt they owe you through forgiveness. Who do you have as a debtor because of what they did to you? What are you remembering that somebody did to you? How is it that every time when you think about what they did, you can get angry again? You can start crying all over again. I want you to understand that you don't necessarily forget to forgive. You just don't feel the same pain because you release the person in the same way that God forgives us. We need to forgive others. Well, I can't judge. You sure can. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to do it. The question is, do you know Jesus? Release your sibling from the debt that they owe you. I'm almost finished. Reconcile when possible. Sometimes you can't make it right. You try. The Bible says, as much as it lies within you, you be a keeper of the peace. Receive forgiveness. Joseph's brothers didn't believe it. When, when their father, Jacob, died, they said, uh-oh, he's going to get us now. And Jacob, the Bible said, when he heard what his brothers were saying, it caused him to weep. And he said, I will not harm you. And so some of the things that we've been guilty of, some of the things I was sharing with a cousin of mine, I did something to him. I, I, to this day, I never apologized. And I said, you know what, I, did, I, I can't believe I did that. Would you forgive me? He couldn't remember I did it either, but I, it was on my conscience. And then when he said, I was, now I was able to forgive myself for something I did to him that I, I regret to this day. That wasn't that terrible, but come on now, don't look at me like that. You've done stuff up too. <laughs> Receive the forgiveness. Repent if you're guilty of sibling of rejecting a sibling, and apologize, apologize, apologize. Sometimes your children will ask you, why did this happen? And you know in a million years they couldn't understand if you tried to explain it, and you've explained it, and they'll ask you a week later, why did that happen, why did that happen? And, and the truth is they really, they really will never fully be able to understand it. But to the best of your ability, you should be willing to explain what you can to help them in their process and so that when they grow old enough, it will, they will get it. But sometimes they won't get it. They'll just be grateful that you heard them. Rejoice because there's divine purpose in everything that you go through. Joseph said, what you meant for evil? God meant it for good. Look at me now. I'm in a position where if I hadn't been sold into slavery, if I hadn't gone through all that I've been through, I wouldn't be in a, in a position of authority to save a nation. God sent me here before you. I want you to understand, when you can look at your experience from the perspective of what God was up to, you can rejoice even in your pain. You meant it for evil, but God, look at me now. 
I want you to understand something. The reason I'm the person I am now, I can have a heart of compassion because I needed God's compassion. I can be merciful because I needed the mercy of God. I can be patient with people because God waited on me. I want you all that was intended to harm me and what should have destroyed me. God, God, God was working it out for my good and his glory. That's my testimony. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And here's the final thing. Reach out for help. Professional help if you need it. The Bible says that the purposes of a man are like treasures in a deep well that a wise counselor can draw out. You've been in the presence of people, and, and uh, you're hurting, and then before you know, you told them everything. You ain't never done that before. And what you discover is that that person had the gift of wisdom or the gift of counseling, and by sharing things that have been buried, things that have wounded you, things that have bound you, things that have become life-dominating sin. When you are in a position to reach out and let a therapist walk you through what almost destroyed you and is still damaging you, you can see yourself being set free by the truth. I want you to understand that all truth is God's truth. Even if the person is not quoting scripture, if it's true, it's God's truth. Because Jesus said, I am the truth and the life. Joseph could have allowed all that he went through to become an excuse. Stand with me. Well, the reason why I dropped out, I'm so angry.